You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Welcome back to the Pull Box Podcast. We're on episode 12 today and we're going to be talking about uh, three great, well, us. some of us think they're great, some of us think they're not so great comics. Uh, Mind Management by Matt Kint, um, Jedi Academy by Jeffrey Brown, and I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and Ken Nimura. So we will, uh, yeah, we'll just be talking about those without the help, unfortunately, of uh, Curtis Weeb, who we were going to have as a special guest this month. Unfortunately, he had to reschedule. But you still have me, your host, Curtis Findlay, and... And me, your other host, Michael Cohen. And we welcome you back to episode 12. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, As everybody who listens to all of the other Thunder Quack podcasts knows... Uh, I went to Star Wars Celebration and Disneyland, and I managed to bring back... The measles. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not the measles, uh, but, you know, just your average everyday con flu, uh, just a cold. Um, so I sound a little bit different, probably, and I'll probably hack and cough a couple of times, but I'm apologizing in advance. We'll forgive you for it, okay. as long as you uh, say something interesting in between coughs. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, wow, so... You were away this last month, yeah, uh, for a good chunk of it down in California, and yeah. I I was not, uh, so I got to read a bunch of cool comics, including I read the fourth volume of Invincible. Okay, and it was it was nice. It was uh, so you've read from volume one to four. Now I've read from volume one to four. Oh yeah, so it's the it's the trade after where we left off. Oh okay okay so not okay. I'm not talking the big thick books. Okay sorry, <laughs> I, I was um, like that's a lot. <laughs> yeah I I have them all in. Trade. Now yeah. I borrowed them from my cousin, and so he. Um, but just the single volumes. So the, we read the okay. collected volumes one, two, and three okay. last month. Okay. And then I read volume four this month, and it was just a nice kind of step back from the intensity that happened in the pre, in the last volume. Okay. Um, and he kind of you know he starts on his path of what do I do now that I have this information about my dad. Yeah. Um, how, how is his mom dealing with it? He's now entering college. Um, they formed a new quote-unquote Justice League um, okay. to try and take care of the lack of Justice League um, issue that happened in the last one as well. So um, it, it's just, uh, it was a step back kind of mm-hmm. just to calm us down after the, the what was going on last time. And it was good. I, I it, They have some nice quirky stories and um, it's really fun. I think it's, I'm going to keep on reading because it's a good series. Yeah, I'm excited to, to pick up more of that. I just haven't... Uh... Uh, I haven't been able to figure it out financially yet because obviously going to California for a week and going to Star Wars Celebration was was uh, taxing on the wallet. <laughs> but uh, that's why I, I picked a book out of my own collection this month <laughs> for right. for the following month. Um, yeah, I, I I I do I really want to read more of that. But uh, but we read we read some interesting books this month. Yeah, uh, well, there's definitely some stuff to talk about. We can we can start off with my pick, which is Mind Management Volume One, The Manager, 
Uh, this book is from a few years ago, and I think he just wrapped the series Go this ahead. month or last month or something like that. So it, it's I think it's four or five volumes long now. Um, but we just read the first volume. Yeah. And uh, let's see what it says on the back here. Reporting on a commercial flight where everyone aboard lost their memories, a young journalist stumbles into a much bigger story, the top secret mind management program. Her ensuing journey involves weaponized physics, hypnotic advertising, talking dolphins, and seemingly immortal pursuers as she attempts to find the flight's missing passenger, the man the man who was mind management's greatest success. They call him uh, Henry Lime. Um, and its most devastating failure. So yeah, the the whole thing starts off. Um, there's there's an airplane that lands, and everybody on the airplane has amnesia. They don't remember anything, including the pilots. Every like the pilots needed to radio to help land the plane because they couldn't remember how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so this this journalist who are she kind of writes um, crime stories as well. Like she has a novel true crime stories and she wants to uh she she needs an idea for her her new book because she's like going to be kicked out of her apartment she desperately needs some money and hasn't worked in a while so so she decides to uh, to explore um this event to try and find the truth behind it yeah and uh in order to write her new book um i i thought this was great now it's a story that um you know, it science fiction kind of covers this, their bases with this kind of thing a lot, but the whole the whole kind of spy world and espionage and this one person trying yeah. to uncover the truth and people trying to stop kind of X Files in that sense. So the people who are pursuing her are are immortals; they can't be killed. They yeah. you, people limbs get hacked off or whatever, and they grow right back, or they find ways to adapt to the current situation so that they they survive and. Yeah. Um, they're all part of this mysterious mind management management program that uh, that they start to explain in the book. I'm sure they delve into in more detail in the following volumes. Um, you told me that it was a rough go for you. Is that right? Yeah, I think this month in general was a little bit rough. I I I think all three books were a bit of a slog to get through, um, and didn't really have, I mean, like, mind management of, of the three of them is probably actually the best. Um, because it does it does have a point. It does have a through line and, like, there's something that you're actually driving towards. Um, well, I'd say that of for all three of the books we read. I, I suppose, but, like, they, I don't know, they, all, they kind of felt... To varying degrees, I guess. All three books kind of felt meandering to me. Uh, and, and, like, I... I don't know. There's there's like a, there's like a sort of a delayed climax, especially on on mind management, where it was sort of like, you know, that story could have been told much more succinctly um, than it than it is in the book, and 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 that's just that's just my preference. Like I I don't know. I I I, I am kind of in the mood right now for for stories that have a little bit more closure and a little bit more. Um, that are a little bit snappier. I... Well, yeah, and there's there's the closure. I mean, this is the first in a series, so yeah. of course you're not going to get yeah. that kind of closure. But it yeah. does have 
its own closure. Like it, the story... it certainly does. Yeah, like the the story the story wraps itself up by the end. Yeah. Um. And and you could easily, if you don't read, I think there's like there's like one issue afterwards or two issues afterwards, right? Right. Of like little side stories. Yeah. I think. That like if you didn't yeah. read those, I think like you could kind of finish it and then just. And just leave it. Yeah, I would say so. But um, and just kind of, kind of call it its own thing, which is just kind of the way that I'm going to look at it. But um, it it basically, I mean, like, well, we'll we'll talk spoilers because assuming everybody's read it. Yeah. Um, basically, by the end of it, she she we discover she doesn't discover, but we discover that this is we don't even know how many times she's been down this road before, right. how many times she's found Henry Lyme. And I, I, that that the whole thing just starts over again. It's a continuing cycle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's an interesting story. It's it's one of those things. It's one of those things that that, um, whenever they take a short story, or a short short subject film, and they turn it into longer form narratives, you can always kind of tell because they're just kind of full of the same repetitive beats. And and uh, I, a lot of filler content, right? So, uh, th- it happens in movies all the time where something is is really good uh, as a short film gains a lot of praise, and then somebody comes along and goes, like a studio comes along and goes, "We're going to give you money to take your short film, your fifteen minute film, your twenty minute film, turn it into a full feature length film," and that person goes away to do it, and it's not nearly as satisfying because they they're taking the nugget of an idea that is concentrated and powerful in that nugget and trying to melt it down and spread it out over 60 minutes and i feel like that's a little bit of what's going on with this where you're kind of um you're being led down one path and it kind of leads you down another path and it leads you down another path and it leads you down another path i when the story I think could have been told in a little bit of a tighter fashion. Um, but there's, there's elements to it that I guess we're supposed to be discovering the characters and stuff. I just found everybody, but, uh, but Meru to be a completely one dimensional character, right? Like, like we don't learn anything about anybody else. We don't connect to anybody else. Right. But I think that's partly because she's not, connecting to anyone sure. else either sure. she's she's so reserved and and um introspective the yeah. entire time that uh, she doesn't want to get to know yeah. anybody else if or... that's the case if that's the kind of story that you want to tell i think your protagonist has to be more interesting <laughs> yeah. like that's that's what it comes down to right like yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna hang and and i'm gonna i kill giants has the same problem because if you're gonna pin your whole story on a protagonist and, they have and, to be likable characters. Yeah, so. like you, you have to be able to journey along with that person. Right. Um, I don't even think yep. they have to be likable, but they have to be relatable or they have to be complex in some way. And I don't think Meru was complex. I don't think the main character in I Kill Giants, I don't even remember her name, Barbara, Barbara. is complex. I, I mean, she's a child, so it's a little bit different, but... Um, yeah, well, I think that um, in this, it, it, at least yeah. at least Rowan in Jedi Academy is a likable character. We <laughs> like him, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you're supposed plot. to more feel sorry for for Mar- Maru instead yeah. because of her situation or whatever. But I, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting because I think the focus is more on what is mind management, and she is just a vessel sure. to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the whole flow of the book is broken up because after each chapter there is like a a little 
five or six page whatever like it's like a, a side story file. and case file yeah. yeah so the flow is actually broken up quite yeah. a few times and i i mean it would that's great in single issue form because you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck i'm um, getting a second little story there but uh when collecting it in a trade maybe it would have been better to stick those all at the end or yeah, something put like them that all at the end. um but uh because um, uh, yeah i agree that it did it was a little choppy like that but i still thought that that um i don't know i didn't feel like it meandered it she each issue because this is originally told in issue format it's like yeah. she found a clue that led her to the next place where yeah. she'd find a clue to lead her to the next place and that's where all the issues come in and um and that's that's a fine way to tell the story i think i don't i'm it's the nature of these i don't know anything at the beginning and i'm slowly discovering type of stories that sure that it's going to be breadcrumb she's going to meander like that's just the, yeah. the nature of it i think um yeah with I, don't know, I, detective I, story. I i think maybe the the biggest hurdle that i had getting over in this comic was that the art is just not that tight oh really right? i i you liked totally it? liked it and i'll tell you um i i liked how loose it was and um they played he uh i don't know i like the aesthetic choices it just feels really unrefined. Um, the The pacing and everything is great. the 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 layouts are all great. Yeah. But it looks like somebody's rough sketches. It doesn't look like a finished product to me. And right. Especially yeah. like if if you're telling a visual story, um, I I do think that your your visual aspect of it has to be tight and. Where where mind management probably lost me is that the characters' faces are completely lifeless from start to finish, in my opinion. Like it just at no point do I connect to any of the characters because they're not they're not really conveying any complex emotions. Mm-hmm. They're they're conveying base emotions like surprise or or fear or happiness. I mean, not that there's a lot of happiness that we get to see in the comic, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, where like, I, if especially if you're going to spend so much time with one character, that one character needs to be very expressive. And at least the other two books that we've got to compare it to this month, that is the case. The, I right. think that the the the, the illustrators, the, the the cartoonists that did them, have a very solid grasp of expression and emotion. Yeah. Whereas mind management, it felt, it was just a little bit too rough for me where it was kind of like, it was kind of like looking into watching a movie through like running water. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and, and, and I think it's supposed to have an element of that cause it is, it is all watercolor and it's all kind of, um, a little bit, like like loose it's it's very loose and and i understand that but i don't know there's just a few moments where you where it pulls me out of it because the art is just so rudimentary it's so crude that that it's like uh, it's not really like your anatomy's off i don't understand what that character is doing i need to reread that panel three times (laughs) because yeah i can see that i mean the um yeah, the anatomy there. There are a few perspective issues and stuff, but his. Yeah. I, I really do like his storytelling throughout the whole thing. Like you said, his compositions and layouts. Yeah, are yeah. really good. Um, if he, I guess, if he could be more refined in, in in just the, the finished work, 
then uh, it would stand out a little bit more maybe. But I didn't think it was that much of a problem. We have a character who is not emotional, yeah. well, which you say is a problem, which it could be for sure. So yeah, her her she's not going to show emotion. Like her, She does have a very blank expression on her face throughout yeah. the entire yeah. thing because she's kind of a blank person. And I think that's also going to say true for every character she meets because every character she meets is... is in this mind management program of yeah. some sort and none of them are going to be emotional because of that like that's just kind of the yeah. nature of the program uh is to remove all of the the emotion and the control that you the self-controls and and you have people controlling you instead so it's uh yeah it's a little bit um it's it is an it's an interesting stylistic choice and i've read one other book by him is called revolver and um, I seem to recall it being, it being more refined. Like this is definitely looser than his other work. Yeah. So I I might I don't I can't remember. I should revisit that. So th- it might be very intentional that he's much rougher in his work. No, it looks the same actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at the if the cover is done by him, it shows that that he's definitely got the ability yeah. to 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 get sort of the finer brush strokes and a little bit more of the attention to detail, but, um, right. But in the overall for this story, it just felt a little bit, uh, it just, it just felt a little bit blank to me, you know? And, and, and yeah. you say it like that, it may have been intentional and, and, and that's, that's definitely a choice, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, I just found it refreshing, um, to not have it so refined yeah, and to not use the computer colors um, it was, it yeah, was just that's a, fantastic. yeah, it was just a, a nice break from, from what we usually see. And yeah, it's not perfect. I, uh, but I, but he, because he is still a good storyteller, you I, yeah. I can overlook the things that, uh, like that arm is too short or whatever. Um, because if he just wasn't a good storyteller, then that would be a different story. Sure. Um, did you read, okay. So on every page, yeah, there's little side there's little comments in the side margins of the of every page that they call it the mind management field guide and little tips for their agents to uh to be good mind management agents did you read any of those i noticed them when i started and then i to be honest as i was racing to finish these books so that we could record today I, i i i ignored them right going forward so like the and most people will i think think, yeah saw them and was like oh that's interesting and yeah then, and then just kind of forgot about them because they kind of just blend into the back but. so halfway through the book um on page th- 106 the mind management field guide says 4.18 if protocols are not observed if and then in all caps if you can read this then it's not too late and okay. then the next one Mind management field guide 4.19. During downtime, it is best to focus on relaxing. Keep paying attention. Nothing is what it seems. Okay. So from then on out, in all caps, it's, like our, a meta. it's a secret message. Okay. That, um, and we find out through it that this, this book that we're holding is the manuscript that she mails herself at the end. Okay. Of, so it's the field guide that she's learned all about mind management that her, yeah. her dad has told her all about. The, the thing she's written it all down but in there she also knows that she's going to lose her memory uh, and she's written the secret message coded to herself okay um so that when she mails her package she can read it and know that she's written 
something that she's going to forget. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool little thing that um, also huh. changes the story a little bit if you yeah. if you actually catch on to it. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you like, I, mean, I wouldn't have noticed it either. I stopped. Like I read the first couple and didn't read yeah. anymore, but then yeah. all of a sudden I noticed that there was it was all caps on one of them, and I had to flip back to see what yeah. the, the deal was with that. Yeah. So, huh. I thought that was that's cool. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that there's a cool like like I say like there's a nugget of a story there, and as a as a short story, um, and maybe like a, a shorter form narrative, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, but it just felt a little bit drawn out. In yeah. the like following the breadcrumbs, it's right. Like I don't know, I it's like if if it's like if every, in every Indiana Jones movie we had to every time he he traveled from one place to another we had to actually follow him on his travels instead of cutting <laughs> away to a red line that goes from one place to another place to another place and then ends up where it's important, right? Right. Um, I'm I, I've 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 noticed myself lately. I when I'm analyzing story. Um, getting to the point where where I'll be watching something and going, I, okay, but why is all of this happening now, right? Like, this seems a little bit contrived. I, like, I'll say that to myself in my head, and then I'll realize, no, that's why we're telling this part of the story. Everything else that happened in the story up until this point was not interesting. And then you get to this point where the movie starts, or the comic book starts, or whatever starts... And then whatever the inciting instant is, then that is, that's the beginning of the actual story, right? So right. there might be backstory, there might be in-between story, there might be stuff that we skip around and cut out, but but that point is the point where it gets interesting. Yep. And I feel like in comics in particular, we have a tendency to read through the parts that aren't that interesting, <laughs> right? So you can kind of pull out individual... Uh, I, uh, trade paperbacks or or whatever compilations and go oh this is where iron man gets interesting and you know for for four volumes it's going to be a cool story and then it kind of drops off into like this in-between story that nobody really cares about but then if you jump ahead to like volume 10 it gets interesting again right so i i, I don't know i just feel like like comics kind of tend to do that sometimes because with the 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 timelines that they're released on because they're it's a sort of ever-present thing it's like tv shows get to go on hiatus over the summer and uh movies come out every couple of years but with comic books they're kind of always coming out yeah especially yeah. with certain things like characters and, and that sort of thing that are evergreen properties and and it just feels to me like comic writers fall into that that um i don't know just that pattern of like telling every piece of the story so that they can just sort of fill the story out, right? Um, I, that's how I feel about novels as well. That's why I don't read a lot of books because I, I, when you read books, it tends to be... like People complain about the Harry Potter movies, right? Oh, well, they missed out on this part. Of, they didn't talk about this time that they went to the place and had Butterbeer. And it's like, yeah, because Butterbeer has nothing to do with trying to defeat Voldemort. Like, it's not important to the story. Yes, it fleshes out the world and that's fantastic for a book, but you got to cut that stuff when you're at two and a half hours already. Right. Right. So. Well, and that's fine for movies, but like you yeah. said, it's, it's good. It's fine for books. Uh, I, yeah. I it, think uh, it, it can, it can be, it can also, I think like, I think it can be a pattern that, that writers yeah. fall into and then don't notice when they're kind of rewriting the same part of the story three times. 
because uh, that's kind of that's kind of how I felt with this is that like she was following breadcrumbs and she'd follow breadcrumbs and then they'd get into trouble and they'd get out of trouble and then they'd follow another breadcrumb yep. and then they'd get into trouble and then they'd get out of trouble and it happens three times and then she gets to the end right. and it's like well yeah and that's in it's like, reading it, maybe reading it in the trade paperback is um is the reason why yeah like in yeah. that format because in single issue like that's how that's how watching an episode yeah. of arrow works it's like every yes. episode is like oh we something happens they have a big battle and then it ends oh the next episode something happens they have a big battle then it ends yeah. it's like it's the same it's true. if you marathoned arrow you probably feel the same way or yeah. something like that yeah, right? yeah, yeah yeah that's true yeah that is true not if you marathon daredevil though <laughs> yeah. daredevil felt like a story from the beginning to the end but I, I, we'll talk about that later on another thing entirely. Uh, yeah. Thunder Quack Roundtable. Coming wow. soon. I, well, but, I think that um, um, it'd be interesting to read volume two to see. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. <clears throat> this volume stands alone as its own story so yeah. well. I think that volume two could be about somebody completely different. Yes. And it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Not um, about Mary so at all. I think that if. Uh, it I, does kind of set her up as like the chosen one archetype though right because there's that the old man that sees her as a warrior yeah so she's kind of got that anakin skywalker neo thing going on where it's like you're the one who can break the system but true yeah i don't know i i was satisfied with this i thought it was great um i might i'll see if i can pick up the second volume to uh to check it out cool um okay well let's jump over to my pick which is a little bit more on the fun side I, I definitely, definitely the more frivolous side. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and that is Star Wars Jedi Academy by, by Jeffrey Brown. Um, people might know Jeffrey Brown. Uh, he's kind of becoming a household name for Star Wars fans because he's been doing these. Uh, I think there's about three or four volumes of this Jedi Academy series out already, if not more. Um, and then he has also done, he's also done four books now in his Darth Vader series. It started with Vader and Son, which is a book. Uh, they're sort of single-page comics uh, stories, so almost like strips. Yeah. Uh, about Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, but like in a very silly, cartoony world where Luke is a, a, a young kid. He's like a sometimes in some of the panels. He's, so, some he's of them he's a teenager. teenager that's so true. So they jump around. In yeah, the they time do frame. jump around, and and Darth, It's just like it's Darth Vader being an actual dad. Yeah. But still being Darth Vader, and Luke still being Luke, and it's sort of. Um, uh, it's it's really fun, but this and everyone is a nod to some part of the movie. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So like they they had uh, Vader and Son, and then Vader's Little Princess, which was the one about that focused on him and Princess Leia, uh, and then uh, Good Night Darth Vader, which is the bedtime book that they did last year, yeah. and now this year they've just released uh, uh, Darth Vader and Friends, which is kind of about everybody, but. Those are though. There's no real narrative in those. They kind of loosely follow the Star Wars story. Not but even not really. they. They like you kind of just like a, pick up. You'll see jokes. Darth Vader at a pod race. Like yeah, that, that yeah. doesn't make sense yeah. if you know your Star Wars. Yeah. But um, it's fine. It, it's those yeah. are great books. They're fun. They're they're fantastic. Yeah. And I think Jeffrey Brown's got a, he's got an excellent sense of humor. Yeah, and that definitely comes across in Jedi Academy, which is, uh, it, Jedi Academy is his Star Wars story with a bit more of a narrative. It has a, I I don't know if I'd call it a narrative structure, because I don't know that it has a beginning, middle, and end, um, except for the fact that it's a school year, so I don't know. It, but I it guess has a middle. He goes on a break in the middle. That's true. I, I guess it's a little bit like Star Wars Harry Potter. 
I it totally is. mentioned yep. Harry Potter before. It, for um, sure. It's about a kid named Rowan from Tatooine who uh, he dreams of one day going to Pilot Academy like his, his father and his older brother, Davin. Um, and uh, he's waiting on his acceptance letter to Pilot Academy when he uh, he's dealt a devastating blow by being rejected by Pilot Academy. But then mysteriously receives an acceptance letter from Jedi Academy from Master Yoda himself, um, which is nobody really knows anything about Jedi Academy. It's just like, it's, it's weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is the same as Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah. So he ends up, he ends up going and, uh, and being the total odd man out, uh, not really understanding because Everybody else at Jedi Academy has been at the Jedi Temple since they were babies. But for some reason, Rowan, even though he's he's a middle schooler, is being selected to join the ranks. And uh, and we kind of go through the story. He has a really hard time with uh, with fitting in at first, and then sort of finally finds his groove, makes some good friends. You know, uh, likes a girl and. Uh, and uh, and slowly learns to use the force, maybe not as well as the others, but then at the end of the book we find out that he's actually he's Leaps actually and a, ahead of everybody. Yeah, else. he's a very he's very strong in the force. He just doesn't have the mind for it because he's behind, right? Yeah. He's got to catch up to where everybody else is at. Um, as Yoda would say, he must unlearn what he has learned. <laughs> so I, uh, I uh, it's. It is definitely aimed towards kids. I mean, like this is uh, this is sort of what I would consider like an early reader book. Like this is this is uh, I, uh, for grade school kids. Um, it's from Scholastic. It's from that, Scholastic. That should say yeah. everything you yeah. need to know. Um, but it is. I think it's full of great lessons for kids to learn. I. Uh, it's full of some really obscure Star Wars knowledge. Uh, and it has nothing to do with continuity. So just yeah. if you're a Star Wars fan and you're going to pick this up or you read through this and you had issues with it, you need to throw your knowledge of continuity out the window and realize that this is an alternate universe where there is a middle school in the Jedi Temple and that, you know, like that's that's the way that it works in the Star Wars galaxy. So they go home for winter break and uh, and they have school dances and... Like all sorts of stuff that you would expect at a regular middle school, but so the they kids just, can relate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they just happen to also be Jedi yeah. um, or Padawans in this instance. So, um, actually, technically, younglings. They don't have masters yet, so they're younglings. You don't become a Padawan until you have a oh, Jedi is that master. A, is that yeah. an error in this? Uh, story here? Um, I, I mean, technically, yeah, but it's okay. I, <laughs> it's one of those things that you kind of look past, but. I like I said it has like Jeffrey Brown has a very in-depth knowledge of Star Wars like like on yeah. on par with individuals like myself who talk about Star Wars on a regular basis I and and are required to know these things um and as I learned at Star Wars Celebration this year I I we're the odd people out <laughs> I even at Star Wars Celebration uh, there were people who didn't care as much as I did about the intricacies of the Star Wars galaxy. That's Some right. people just like the movies, and uh, and that's that's good enough for them. Yeah, I think I'm one of those people. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's really fun. I I Jeffrey Brown has an excellent excellent art style. 
Um, he's actually a big inspiration on me uh, with Kenobi and me. He's uh, he's one of the the main sources of inspiration for why I started that comic um, because of because Vader of, and Son. Yeah, because of Vader and Son. So it it came very much out of that and wanting to do something similar. Yeah. to that. So. Um, he also has a book called Kids Are Weird, which is very yes. similar to my comics. Yes. It's it's um, stuff from his daily life with his kid. Yeah. And it's very similar to what I'm doing with mine called Kids A. Yeah. He, he's fantastic. And yeah. I've been a fan of his for a long time because he's he's big in the kind of the underground alternative comics scene. Okay. Um, back before he was doing Star Wars and stuff, just doing personal like comic diaries. Yeah kind of stuff so he's he um has actually done a lot of work just on his personal relationships um to the point of being awkwardly embarrassing describing his own sex life and stuff like that so but he's uh he's fantastic he's a great storyteller yeah and uh and it's so interesting to see where he's found his success now and it's great that he has because he definitely uh he deserves it he's really good um why didn't they just call Rowan Luke for this book? It's out, <laughs> um, of, it's out of continuity. It didn't really matter. Like this guy is basically Luke Skywalker. Why didn't they just call? It him is Luke out of Skywalker? continuity, but it's this is prequel era. This is uh, this is before the Jedi purge. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it actually there are a few hints that let you know when it's placed because I I. Davin, in one of his letters, talks about them maybe getting to try out these new starfighters called T-65s. Oh, and yeah. those are X-Wings. So, um, canonically, uh, okay. although a lot of so this expanded be... universe stuff is thrown out, canonically, the X-Wing starfighter was, like, experimental at about the time of the Clone yeah. Wars and, and Episode 3. So, so they should call this guy, this should be Obi-Wan instead. Uh, no, well, he's too young to be Obi Wan. Too young to be Obi Wan. Because this is. Oh yeah. I, I would. So... I would actually place this just before the Clone Wars, um, and it'd be interesting to to check out the rest of them and see if if any of that continuity does actually end up um, running into things. Because it, I think it would be really cool to see Rowan sort of go through Jedi Academy, and then you know by like his fourth year, the Clone Wars break out, and he's got to get a jedi master and go out into the galaxy and and uh and and continue on with his journaling but like <laughs> with these sort of random adventures right because um, he can only if, it could be fun if these books are only one one school year per yeah. book <clears throat> then uh <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the i guess the the three i think there's only three of them that are out now okay those would cover his middle school years and then yeah he'll go to high school <clears throat> yeah and then he's got to do something after that Jedi University or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but then that's not going to relate to kids as much. So no. Um, these, I th- these are great uh, for for that eight to twelve kind of yeah. to that, that that age bracket. Um, they fit in really well with other books that are similar to this. I, yeah. I think of like um, G Man and Big Nate, and um, there's a whole bunch of books that are similar in this. Like this one is also kind of a hybrid book. It's a it's kind of half comic, half prose. Although it's not yeah. really prose because it's all just his thoughts, like journal entries um, and that yeah. sort of thing. But it's not not every page is a comic. Yeah. Um. In fact, I would say maybe maybe even less than half of it is comics. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I would say so. And the rest of it is made up with his journal entries that are illustrated with small pictures here and there. Yeah. Or little things like emails that he gets to read or you get to read um, brochures, pamphlets, of, or, or um, yeah. homework assignments and that kind of stuff. Um, and there has been a little... Um, a little trend with Scholastic and other type publishers to produce these hybrid books that are part comic, part novel to entice kids to read more prose. Yeah. Um, because comics are a great way to to get into reading more because the 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 imagery and the words help each other <clears throat> out. Yeah. So kids can learn learn better vocabulary or context by seeing the pictures. Um, but then the language is always simpler in comics. Yeah. Um, so you don't get that same sort of uh, narrative or vocabulary. So getting them to, to get into more of that uh, has been a, a little push that Scholastic has been doing. And I think this does it successfully by keeping those those novel parts um, entertaining, part yeah. of the story. It's not unusual that it flip-flops between the two different styles. Um, it, uh, it works really well. Uh, and, and yeah, like you say really need a what what's the most obscure star wars reference that they make in here um, they like they talk about they name chewie's home world which i think i don't know did uh, they say that in episode three yeah they, they do say kashik in episode three um uh i would act i would actually say i hmm. i'm putting you on the spot here <laughs> yeah it's it's tough because there's a lot of stuff that I would consider really, really obscure. Like uh, the name of the Starship magazine that he gets is Yezums, which the Yezum is the is the big furry guy from the special edition that oh, sings yeah. in Jabba's palace. Oh, okay. so like that's that's very obscure. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like it, it's just sort of like peppered throughout. I don't know that there's anything particularly. The nice thing about it is that you don't have to have seen any of the movies in order to fully enjoy this. The jokes are there for people who know, probably for parents who are reading this to their kids or whatever. But um, it stands alone perfectly fine. If this could be a child's first introduction to Star Wars. Like I think like when they talk about going to Kashyyyk, they've got the illustrations of the Katarn and Web Weavers, which are from very old expanded universe stuff. I think maybe even the West uh, uh, West End games, role-playing games, uh, wow. and then have shown up in other things. So, like, they've shown up in, in uh, The Old Republic and Knights uh, uh, of the Old Republic, the video game. Uh, there's a great schematic of, a, of the inside of a lightsaber that is... Some of it is accurate, and other parts are silly. Like, like the twisting to make it extend. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's real. Really? Like, is it? Yeah. Uh, oh. In the first schematic of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, it explains what all of the little knobs and buttons are for. Yeah. And there are knobs and switches on Luke's lightsaber as well as Vader's to extend it, like to control the length and to, to control the intensity of the blade. Well, so. Look at that. Yeah, so it's it, it's stuff oh, like it's that. Oh, it's to extend the blade. I thought yeah. it was to extend the handle. Oh like, no, yeah, yeah okay, it's to extend oh, yeah. the blade. But then, I I there's triple double uh, A batteries inside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of it, right? And a little key ring, um, which it's like there's just it's it's full of lots of really funny stuff like that. Um, my favorite part of the whole thing is that Rowan himself, and I think I think that this is. This is part of Jeffrey Brown's thing. I think that Rowan is a little bit of Jeffrey Brown. I think that these might be mildly autobiographical. I think he might be 
pulling from some <laughs> of his own experiences for yeah. some of the 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 um uh, disappointments and the embarrassing moments that that Rowan goes through because Rowan is also a cartoonist. It's yep. one of the explanations for why there are drawings throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he draws a comic himself. I love it. Which are the best part of the yeah, book. Yeah, I want a whole book his, full of that. Yeah, his, his Ewok, Ewok pilot. His Ewok <laughs> pilot comics because they're hilarious. They're so Each good. and every one of them is a great three-panel strip with yep. a, just like the best punch. Um, yeah, like they're... they're <laughs> It's fantastic, and 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 I, I just think like start start to finish, it's a really great book. It is, um, it is a book that you could give a kid and they could spend a really long time with. And I think, go back over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, but I think as an adult, it's a little bit, it's a little bit tough to get through. It's because, juvenile. Yeah, because yeah. it is like like uh, there's no real. There's no real stakes. There's no real consequences. It's it's about a kid in middle school. Yeah, right? if you so. think that in the middle of the book, the Sith are going to attack and he's going to have yeah. to step up and, and yeah. prove himself worthy and save the universe, well, that's actually not going to happen. It's yeah. actually literally just him at school. Yeah. Which, um, which a lot of books are... A lot of kids' books are like that. They yeah. because they want to relate to an actual real school experience. Yeah. Yeah. So like unlike Harry Potter, there's no there's no overall narrative to these stories. It's just go to school, have fun, make friends, learn stuff, yeah. do your homework sort of thing. Yeah. Um but it does it does have a great ending that will lead into the next book, which is that he gets to the end of his first school year. And he's not sure if he's going to come back. He thinks he's going to. And then uh, his friends, I think his friend like emails him or something or talks his schedule. to him. Yeah. Well, he gets a schedule from... Tells him to look at his new schedule. Yeah. And he looks at his schedule for next year and on it is Starfighter yeah. training. So uh, he gets what he wants in the end, which is to, to learn how to, to fly Starfighters. Which like, I as... As an adult who knows a lot about Star Wars, it's like, well, I knew that that was coming eventually. I thought it might happen in this book, but uh, it's a cool tease for the next book that, like, yeah. the following year he's going to get to uh, to realize his his dream of Pilot Academy along with which is with good because Jedi he, Academy. he needed to accept Jedi yeah. School without that. Yes, so yeah. it's good that it yeah. didn't happen right away. Yeah, it's cool. It it I I think it's a fantastic book for kids. I think especially if you've if you've got a kid in your life that that is at that age, uh, that middle school age, um, uh, or maybe just a little bit younger, and is having a hard time fitting in or or trying to figure out what their place is uh, in the world, it's a good book for them because it kind of shows them that you know it's like any good kid's story that it's not about uh, uh, living up to other people's expectations, but kind of. Just figuring out what makes you happy, and then that's what other people are going to like about you. Yeah. Right? So, I, I and sort of like finding your place within the context of your own world, the situations that you're in, and being able to be happy that way. Um, and Rowan, by the end of it, comes to the realization that Jedi Academy might be better than Pilot Academy. I, and it's only once he accepts that that then he's given the reward of 
by the way, you're going to get to learn to fly starfighters yeah. next year, right? Exactly. So, so I, I think it's it's a good story for kids, and it's it's got a good moral message to it, and, and a lot of good lessons in it. It's like a, it's like a boy meets world, but uh, with lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> good, cool. So, I uh, so I guess I guess that brings us to our final book. Our reader poll this week was suggested by Curtis J. Weeb, who unfortunately can't be here to talk yeah. about it with us, but. Uh, he suggested to read I Killed Giants. Yes. And um, it's <laughs> in the very first issue, um, there's just this big D&D campaign. So it's like, oh, this is why he picked this book. <laughs> because yeah. Rat Queens is basically a D&D campaign. And um, he, in fact, over this last month, <clears throat> he was posting on Facebook that um, he actually took his characters and wrote them up as D&D characters okay. and they he got some friends together and they played D&D with the Rat Queens. Okay. So so yeah, he's obviously big into that. So and yeah. um but otherwise the the story is about um it's about a girl named Barbara who is sort of an outsider at school. She wears bunny ears and carries around this weird purse that she never opens up and yeah. and um she's sort of um um uh, I don't know. She she just kind of is off putting because she she's sarcastic and a little bit mean and doesn't yeah. like to make friends and um, she's big into Dungeons and Dragons and I think probably hangs out with an older crowd playing D and D a bunch of times and um, apparently is a pretty ruthless dungeon master. I I, I don't know much <laughs> yeah. about D and D, but people didn't like her because of that as well. Um, and she, her thing is that she kills giants. She says she she's preparing for the oncoming giant invasion. Yeah, and um, which ostracizes her even more because no one believes that gi- giants exist because they don't. Um, it's all in her head. She's crazy. She's she's yeah. weird, and I don't want to be around her and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, but we get to see through her perspective. Yeah that there are these things little fairies that float around that she talks to or whatever that that do exist in her perception of reality yeah um the point of the book and this is the big spoiler so don't listen if you haven't read it yet the point of the book is that she has created her own fantasy world for her to escape into because of the actual things that are going on at home her she's basically being raised by her older sister because her dad's not in the picture and her mom we find out at the end of the book is uh is dying of cancer and this is her coping mechanism so um i got it was it was a rough start for me the first issue especially because of all the D &D talk i didn't know what was going (laughs) on um it 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 took a long time to get started but then once it did get started yeah it I just was plowing through it. I really, really enjoyed her learning more about her and how she's, because we know, we don't know why things are bad at home. We know that she's being raised by her sister. Yeah. And, but we don't know why things have gotten to where they are until the very end when she has to confront some of her, yeah. the things that are holding her back. Um, and it, it just took me through it. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great telling of, of someone who's going through, this situation and what they have to do in order to uh to get through it and how that actually wasn't benefiting her and um yeah you on the other hand had a different reaction to it um 
I think I, I think it's one that that uh, and I just finished it last night. So, um, and I read through it pretty quickly. I I it, it's uh, I don't think it's a bad story. I think it's a bit like there's a bit of that narrative crutch in there. Um, and I've read this kind of a story several times now, especially in comics. Um, well, yeah, it's not a news thing. I mean, yeah. that's like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Peter Pan. They're all sure. the same thing, escapism yeah. to escape the, the horrors that are going on at home yeah. or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's uh, when when you're going to go down that, that road of of uh, uh, using tropes like that, I, they, I think they have to be executed perfectly. They have to be executed expertly. And I found uh, Barbara's character was interesting. The, the school therapist, psychologist was interesting. Um, I, her friend Sophia had a little bit there, but not quite enough. Um, this might actually be the opposite of mind management where I kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time getting to know the other characters in the world um, as opposed to to just kind of like, I don't know. But it I, wasn't their I, story. No, it wasn't their story. But, but I think in order to understand Barbara's story, I think we just needed a little bit more of, of the rest of that world. Um that's what I would have liked to have gotten from it. I would have liked for it to have, I, uh, I fleshed out some of those other characters because especially the bully, the school bully that ends up being sort of the bane of her existence is to me, very one dimensional and very sort of almost sloppy, um, in the way that it's executed because like it's, I I just think it's super easy to just go like, oh, it's school, you know, they're in fifth grade, so here's the older kid that's a bully. But that bully was there for a purpose. That sure. bully was one of her giants. Yeah. Oh, I, like I don't. So that's why I don't it was one dimensional. Right? But I don't disagree with there being a bully. I just, I just think that 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 bully specifically was a little bit too much of the cliche that every time she was in the story, it brought me out of it because it was like everybody else seemed like a real character with real things going on in their lives because of the way that they talked. But And then you have a TV bully. Yeah, but then you had like a cartoon character bully and then her sister just seemed so like, uh, again, like just a, like a paper cutout that was just lifted from something else and dropped in here of like, I'm I'm too young to be dealing with all of these things, and I'm yeah. so and I don't know. A better how to example cook and... of the sister, the two sister relationship would be Lilo and Nani from yes. Lilo Stitch. Yes, like exactly. They, yeah. Like, and that's and that's what I'm saying is like if you're going to use those tropes, which I have no problem with using tropes or cliches. I Casey and I actually just talked about it on on Quiver that we recorded last night. They're called cliches for a reason. Yeah, like you, you don't sure. get there without it being something that people look at and identify with and go to. And that's fine. Yeah. But when it becomes a, a bad cliche is when it is surface, right? And and I feel like I with so many great characters that when you have a few of the the principal's another example of a character that was like 
I don't know. I, and, and there's almost a, there's almost an opportunity to take some of those characters and fit them together into one character. Because uh, I think if you had taken out the adversarial angry principal and you had made uh, Miss Mole the, the school psychologist taking some of her aspects and put it into the principal, you would have eliminated a weak character and strengthened another character by putting them in an even higher position of authority, right? Yeah, um, but principals don't, they're not, they don't have that same relationship sure, with the student sure. as a as the council, the school counselor yeah. would. Um, that never stopped Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. I go back to Boy Meets World as a reference. <laughs> I, I don't know, I just think, uh, I just think that, that, that there was a, it almost felt like there were two narratives going on. And, and, Oh, I guess I should say three because there are two narratives that are going on. There's the real world and then there's the world that Barbara lives in that we're sort of following her through. Um, but they're both Barbara's narratives. They are both her story. But but every once in a while we do like step outside of her story and we look at it from somebody else's perspective. Very little bit. Yeah. I mean there's this the little bit at the end with Sophia when she yeah. starts actually getting involved with the bully yeah, there's the little bit when when uh, with Miss Mole when she's sort of talking to Karen the sister. Yeah, like when when she's sort of doing stuff that's not directly involved with Barbara. So yeah. there's there's a few moments I just feel like I, I would have liked it if we would have explored that stuff more. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, but is that it, would have would, would that have taken away from then Barbara's story if they started expanding? Like this was a um, seven issues and it's done. Like yeah. it's definitely just a contained miniseries. Yeah. There's no. There's no need to go no, further. No, I think I think uh, I think that there's a way to do that and to expand on those elements of the story without giving away the ending. Because I think, like, very quickly, I think the second or third time we sh- there's the issue where she's going up the stairs and she has her freak out where she runs past the door, yeah, the open doorway. That I, uh, it becomes really apparent, and by the fourth time you see the the her mother chained up and the monsters and everything it's like you you figured it out by that point and and even though it hasn't been expressly said yet you know what's going on by i think issue three yeah you realize that that like at first you think like oh the mom and dad are out of the picture like like something happened they died died in a car crash or something right yeah um that they're gone and it's just the older sister and the brother and, and 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 barbara but by about issue three, you start to realize, oh, no, there's something else going on here. I think the mom is sick. That somebody is sick. Someone in the house. I like. I couldn't. I think at issue three, I couldn't because it's seven issues and issue three about midway through the story, couldn't quite pin it down. I wasn't sure if it was because it could have gone two ways. It could have been that uh, the giant is the fact that her mom has cancer, which is what we find out by the end of it. Yeah. The other thing that I thought that it might be is that maybe there was an abusive relationship at home. Right. And that whoever was in that room was the abuser. That's right? where I thought it was going as well. So, yeah. so I thought that, and, and I think that that's intentional. I think that they, that we're supposed to get to that point and not know what's going on fully. Yeah. And I think that bringing in those other characters a little bit more and fleshing out that, the sort of the, the out the exterior story of that sort of like all of the the story on the fringes of Barbara's actual narrative could have strengthened that mystery a little bit and we could have gotten clues that led you in multiple directions so that you're reading it and you're going like what is going on right um 
I do like the payoff at the end, though. Like, I do think that they, that the execution at the end, especially with the big question mark at the end of the story, which is, like, did she fight a titan or not, right? <laughs> yeah. um, because Sophia, by the end, is kind of, like, right there with her. And you don't know if it's Sophia just humoring her because she knows that, like, that's the story that Barbara needs to tell herself. Or if what happened like like what's more ridiculous that she's been preparing to fight a giant this whole time and at the end she does fight a giant and her little hammer that was in her purse turns out to be a big magic hammer or that a random freak tornado picked her up and dropped (laughs) her in the ocean and then she just kind of like wandered home three days later right like like which of those two stories ends up being the more ridiculous part of it right so like I, I don't know I I liked that element I did there was a lot about it that I did like um, there was just I don't know I think there was a few places where it could have been fleshed out a little bit better especially because it is it is a one and done story so I think yeah. to the opposite of what you were saying which is that like oh well it's only seven issues we don't need to go into these other characters stories. I would say it's only seven issues. I want to know as much as I can about this world before we're done with it. Right. Right. But so. would a, but but my the question I had earlier again is would have getting, <clears throat> getting to know those characters yeah. more distracted from the the main story because it uh, really isn't about them at all. But I just just because they're fleshed out doesn't necessarily mean that we need to learn about their their lives and what makes them tick. Right. I just think giving them more opportunities to be fully realized characters yeah. would have strengthened the story overall. Because like I said, when those one-dimensional cartoon characters show up, like the principal or the school bully, um, and their motivations aren't clear, then it pulls you out of it. Right. So had there been a little bit more work on the bully and we had sort of understood her motivations a little bit better and why she was maybe targeting Barbara a little bit more... More so than just she's the school bully and Barbara is a weird kid, so she's going to target the weird kid. I I think that there was an opportunity there to, uh, I I I mean, Shakespeare would have written that character as a foil, right? And she's not a foil. The bully is not a foil for Barbara, but there was an opportunity for there to be a character that we could compare Barbara to and see them deal with something similar or something uh, along the same lines in totally different ways yeah i guess and most bullies have their own giants that they have to face so yeah maybe they she was could have faced her giant at the same time or something yeah Yeah. so i mean especially when we talk about like you don't know midway through the story is it that she's her mom's sick or that there's an abusive parent at home it could have been both it could have with two different characters exactly and then we could have gotten the the thing of like I, I, by the end of that story, I feel like those two characters could have reconciled differences and come together, yeah. um, and that everybody would have been stronger for it, right? And and, yeah. and but I'm I, talking I, about cliches too, right? Like these are all cliches yeah. as well, but I think they're cliches that would have strengthened the story, whom the way that it is, it kind of detracts from me. Yeah. Like that's just that's just my. I liked that they didn't become big friends at the very end. Um, I yeah, I thought that it was it was neat that they. They um they went through this experience together, and the bully kind of has they have an understanding now. Yeah, but it's not um they're not they're still not friends. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was kind of just maybe a little bit more realistic than I think. That's Oops. fair. 
Yeah. So what did you think of the artwork? Um, it's, it's, it, it falls very firmly in that like early 2000s faux manga style, right? Yeah. I, that I, I, I think we saw a lot of on Teletoon for, for us Canadians <laughs> and a lot of TV shows. Um, and I think like that, it, that's fine if that's the sort of thing that you like. It's not really my taste. Um, it, 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 there's some cool elements to it. Like, I think it's good artwork. I think it's well executed. Um, I think that the page layouts were a little bit weird and a little bit hard to follow. I think that the, 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 whoever did the lettering, whoever did the word bubbles needs to brush up on the basics because <laughs> there was a lot of points where I was like, okay, where am I going next? And I had to yeah. like reread a panel because, because the, the bubbles weren't laid out properly. Yeah. Um, which is not something that I experience all that often anymore because I feel like everybody's kind of got that science down at this point, but um, so this but it was, does happen every now and then. This was Ken Nomura's first work okay. in comics. So that might have something to do with yeah. it. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it was an interesting... It's, because it's, it's a lot looser than your typical Japanese style. Yeah. Um, there's definitely that influence um, because I think that's the world that he comes from. But there's also, there's also kind of a strong European influence in there as well, yeah. especially with how clean yeah. and thin the lines were and um his uh yeah that's why i went sort of that faux manga style, right yeah. right and then rather than a straight sort of up manga. a little bit french is yeah. kind yeah. of where i go because the french i think is a lot of the french comics or yeah. french animation that's come out is kind of japanese influenced as yeah, well very much so it, yeah and that was really interesting i um i brought this book called essex county by jeff lemire um because it has a very kind of similar style with his thin lines and okay. the, the kind of the thick blocky shading. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't use any gray tones like, uh, like Namira does, but, um, but the, what I really liked about his artwork is his choices to leave a lot of negative space in his panels. Yeah. He, he played a lot with, um, big open areas. And I think to, to play with the whole size uh, Barbara versus Giants kind of thing. Yeah. So like her school um, is really really big. If if you, there's a picture of her sitting in the cafeteria, it was it was a wide shot of of the the whole cafeteria. Yeah. Or if she's in a hallway, it was a big shot of extending the cameras at one end of the hallway and she's at the other, just to yeah. to give a sense of how how big her life is or how small she feels in it or something. So interesting choices in that. Um, that I did like, uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a, it was neat, neat style. It wasn't at all what I was expecting. So yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's good. Like it was well executed, but, um, there were just those few layout issues, I think. Uh, other than For that, sure. I, I, I agree. It, there but... were definitely a few layout issues and the speech bubbles. It was weird also that they didn't, um, when you had connecting bubbles, it was just one line connecting. Yeah. So it kind of, a lot of the times the line blended in with the actual line yeah. work for the characters or the backgrounds and yeah so it took a you had to sort of read the bubble and then figure out who was saying it afterwards yeah, yeah. yeah. um there are a couple of other um sort of escapist comics that i've read in the past that i they don't really they don't really go into fantasy worlds like that but they're just really good at uh talking about dealing with with issues like abuse and, and yeah. that kind of thing. And one of them was, uh, 
A Tale of One Bad Rat by okay. Brian Talbot. That one is fantastic. Um, and another one is a, one called I Killed Peter, and I can't remember who, or Why I Killed Peter, and I can't remember what, who that one's by, but it okay. was really good too. So, and this one I think is also good, especially for that middle school age. I think yeah. if you put that in in a, in a middle school library, um, it would be a useful tool, I think, for yeah. kids for to just to... Um, yeah to kind of look at their own lives and, and help along that way. Yeah. I read, I read a book a couple of years ago, uh, called Joe the Barbarian. Oh yeah. Uh, I, which, uh, is very similar to this one. Uh, it's about a kid who he, uh, is diabetic and he, he comes home from school one day and basically has like, uh, uh, he's, he's low on blood sugar. So he needs to, get something uh from the fridge and he doesn't in time he sort of starts to slip into a coma um and as he does there he like he's sort of flipping back and forth between reality and this imagined world where like his pet rat is a knight and uh and his action figures sort of come to life and and uh, it's sort of his like as he tries to to save his own life um, he also is going through this adventure and trying to, uh, uh, save this world, this mythical world. And the mythical world is his imagination because if he dies, that world dies too. Right. So everybody in that world is also trying to help him. It's a, it's a, it's a very similar sort of thing where like the, the real world is sort of bleeding into this fantasy world. It's that same sort of idea. Yeah. Um, and actually my pull for next month is another book that's very similar. So, well, why don't we get into those pulls now? Sure. Uh, okay. So, well, my book for next month is Telos, uh, which is about uh, a kid who uh, I believe he's in a car accident or something like that right at the beginning. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm spoiling it. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've read it. Um, basically, it's like this fantasy world. Yeah, I think I spoiled it. I think that's. Oh the no. I uh, and uh, and you sort of go through this fantasy world, and uh, yeah, I spoiled it. I spoiled the end. That's okay. <laughs> it's not. That's not really the point of the story, anyways. Um, especially because once you finish it, finish the first volume, you find out that there's more going on. Then that's the thing that I really like. That's one of the things that I liked about I Kill Giants is that by the end of it, you're left with that question of like, wait. So what is real? What is, like what yeah. was real and what wasn't? And Telos is very similar in that. Um, it's it's by uh, Todd Dezago and Mike Waringo, uh, the late Mike Waringo. Uh, this was sort of his. Um, I don't know. Like this, this was this was his his uh, his goal as an artist. Like this was what he wanted to get to do, and uh, and so he uh, he thankfully got to tell most of the story. I think before he passed. I think, I think volume two, which I haven't read yet. Um, I've got the Telos Colossal volume one and volume two, which I, the volume one is issues one to ten, um, which I think is the original run, and then they actually got a second run um, and finished out more of the story. But okay, there's... so should we read? We'll read issues one to ten. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be reading issues. That's probably one to the 10. first two trades because I have yeah. the first trade and I think it's only the first probably yeah. five issues. Or and I will, um, I will actually probably read the whole thing. I'll probably read volume two as well. Okay. Much like I did with Crimson. Once I finish this, I'm sure that I'll 
just want to keep going. So, um, yeah, it's a great sort of adventure fantasy story full of a bunch of really great characters and, uh, and, and, uh, some really cool twists and turns throughout it. So, uh, so yeah, that's my pick. Okay. Um, my pick for this month is, uh, called The Wrenchies by Farrell Dalrymple. And it's, um, I'll just read the, the little, um, little, uh, thing on the back here. It says, in this demented future, whatever life remains on earth is oppressed by the evil shadowsmen. Only a gang of ruthless and powerful children called the Wrenchies can hope to stand against them. When Hollis, a lonely boy from our world, is magically given access to the future world of the Wrenchies, he finally finds a place he belongs. But it is not an easy world to live in, and Hollis's quest is bigger than he ever dreamed of. Um, I ha- I haven't read this one yet, um, but I've been hearing a lot of really good things about it. So cool. um, the artwork looks amazing, and I hear the story is just as amazing too. So um, we'll see about that. And... Uh, it's a thick one. It's it's a thick one. It is. Um, I I think it'll be fairly easy read though. There's yeah. not too much dialogue. This it's is a, this is another title from First Second, which I think is quickly becoming one of our favorite. They're, they're so right? great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They're just doing really cool stuff in the comic space right now. So, if you're not uh, if you're not up on what First Second has been putting down, you need to you need to get on it because yep. they got some cool stuff. Um, cool. And then our, our reader poll is from Jonathan Spies and it is, uh, uh, Superman for all seasons, which I'm, I'm really excited. That's to the re-read. Tim Sale and Jeff yeah. Loeb book. Yeah. yeah. It is when I tell, when people tell me that Superman is boring, uh, there's a few books that I go to. I, I, Red Sun, I think is a little bit more for advanced Superman readers cause you got to have a foundation there first. Yeah. But I, if you really want to know what makes Superman tick, and and really get into uh, who he is as a character. Superman for all seasons is a great place to start. Cool. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic book. I'm really excited to reread it. I haven't read it in probably seven or eight years now. Yeah, me too. So I uh, so I'm excited to pick it up again and uh, and read it again. But before we wrap things up, uh, you had a, a a piece of mail that you wanted to read. Uh, from the Facebook page, right? Yeah, it's just um, Sam Kirby left a little message on Facebook, and it's he says, I'm absolutely loving the pod and can't believe it has been, I'm assuming he's going to say it has been a year. Um, if you are not a listener, take a listen. Some great recommendations and discussion on all types of comic book properties. Already read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 1 and Superman Red Sun based on the pod, and I love them. Next, I'll be reading DC New Frontier, not Volume 1 and 2, as I enjoy the animation and the review chat got me very interested. Thank you, Mike and Curtis. What a great comment. I think yeah. that's what, what we're doing here. That's why yeah. we're doing what we're doing yes. is so that you will, you will learn a little bit more about comics and that your horizons will be broadened. I know mine certainly have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've read a lot of really cool stuff over the last year that I... Uh, that I definitely wouldn't have picked up. And some of that stuff has been some of my favorite comics. Yeah. Uh, like I, we talked about it last month, but Pyongyang is still something that, that uh, like that's, that, that book stays with you. Like that yeah. is, and we've had a lot of experiences like that. It's, it's, it's been awesome. So we're excited. Keep going. Yeah. Um, and I think this next month we've got, we've got a really great 
trio. Great three picks. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to dive into all of this stuff. But uh, but that does it for us this month. Sure does. I, I You can check out uh, all of our past episodes as well as reviews and, uh, and the full list of all of the comics that we've read uh, and links to the, the uh, corresponding episodes over on pullboxpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pullbox and, uh, and give us a follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash pullbox or just at pullbox. Yeah. Uh, sorry, pullbox podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, I and uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at arkwolf a r k w u l f, and I'm on Twitter at Curtis Findlay, um, also at Mouse Covers. That's for my coveringthemouse.com webpage, and uh, you can follow me on Tumblr as well. See my comic strips and your comic strips yeah. too at yeah. arkwolf. Yeah, arkwolf.tumblr.com, um, and uh, follow. You can also pledge to Patreon, Patreon. Yeah. And uh, help us out there. That's patreon.com slash thunderquack. Yes, slash thunderquack. Uh, and, uh, of course, check out thunderquack.com, which is uh, where you can find links to all of our other awesome podcasts. Um, we've got we got some cool stuff coming up for you guys. Uh, the TV seasons are all sort of wrapping up, which means that, uh, that, that we'll be launching into some new stuff. We just... Launched Eight Bits of Destiny. Uh, the the first episode of that was uh, earlier in April, um, and uh, we'll have another episode soon in May. So, uh, so check that out. And we've got uh, Talking Time Lords, which is our new Doctor Who podcast coming soon, uh, probably at the end of May, beginning of June. So, uh, so lots of really exciting stuff. Lots of really yeah. cool stuff coming soon. Good. Yeah. Cool. It's gonna be great. Cool. Uh, and of course. Uh, if you've got comics that you want to recommend to us, you can do that by sending in emails to the pullboxpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you guys think we should read on the podcast. Uh, just give us the title and a brief one-paragraph description of why you think we should read it, and, uh, and we will throw that in our master list that we pull from every month. Uh, but uh, I guess that does it for this month, so we will catch you guys uh, next month. Yeah. Keep reading comics.